How's it going, everybody? Welcome into the Dam Ryan Show, Chicago sports talk without the traffic jams. This is the official podcast of TheLoopSports.com. Once a week, I try to rally up uh, as many Loop Sports writers as possible so we can get together for about an hour or so and talk Chicago sports. Uh, joining me this week, uh, and probably every week that we have a podcast, is uh, LoopSports.com founder and managing editor Patrick Flowers. Patrick, say hello. How's it going? And we also have Bulls columnist Tim Moran. Tim, say hi. Hello, everybody. Uh, hopefully a little bit later on in the podcast, we'll have Sox columnist Matt Smith joining us. Uh, but for now, we're gonna, just going to jump into stuff with some uh, some White Sox talk. The White Sox just had uh, their annual Sox Fest over the weekend in Chicago. Uh, there were some highlights from there. We got to see uh, Rick Renteria introduced to the White Sox faithful, uh, as well as a couple panels featuring White Sox prospects and f- uh, returning greats from past years. Uh, Patrick, I know you jotted down some notes regarding highlights from Sox Fest. If you just want to address a couple things here to kick off the discussion. Yeah, uh, the, the feeling around Sox Fest this year was uh, definitely, as I wrote about yesterday, optimism, hope, uh, joyfulness, all things we really haven't experienced in years past where uh, we were kind of waiting for the other foot to drop because it was a team that we all knew had too many holes uh, to succeed or at least have any sort of long-term sustained success. But uh, Rick Renteria won a lot of fans over this weekend with his uh, White Sox style of baseball he's trying to introduce where he's going to press the players to play for the team rather than name on the back of jersey. Um, Rick Hahn, of course, was a huge hit. Everybody's on the Rick Hahn train right now. And uh, all of the prospects that were there this weekend were big hits as well. Everybody said that they were high energy, they were very likable, they came off as very competitive and uh, ready to get going. So it was a good weekend. I mean, it's it kind of echoed everything that we've all been saying for the last month. It's always good when the prospects and the new manager can make a good first impression on all the White Sox fans that do show up to those events. Um, Tim, did you have any thoughts on anything that happened at Sox Fest? Um, yeah, I mean, just echoing what Patrick said, um, the atmosphere was definitely uh, filled with optimism. And, um, you know, I think the, you know, the front office and Rick Renneria was very uh, realistic about it. You know, they, you know, Han said that it would be hard to compete in 2017 and uh, also plan for the future. So they do seem to be, you know, accepting that this isn't going to be the year. And I think the fans are totally accepting that as well. Um, seeing the success of other uh, rebuilding projects like the Cubs, uh, I think everyone's uh, pretty much hopping on board with the uh, with the rebuild. So so yeah, it was a good good weekend it seemed, and uh, yeah, the prospects seemed to be very likable, um, as a couple of uh, White Sox reporters tweeted out. So I know we talked on the podcast last week about the fact that it's been quite some time since the White Sox had a high ranking farm system, and I guess uh, I guess it's a good thing. 
that these kids are making a great first impression at SoxFest. Um, I, I can't wait to see how they're developed within the organization and the kind of impact they'll have when they do finally join the big league roster. Um, but just seeing them in photographs and listening to uh, to interviews and panels and stuff that took place at Sox Fest, uh, they seem to have the right attitude. They seem to feel like they belong with the White Sox, um, and I think that's a, a good starting point without having seen any on-field production. Uh, I guess transitioning out of that, um, do you guys have any uh, any initial feelings regarding how the White Sox will perform in 2017? Um, I know that there's going to be uh, a bit of a struggle probably in the first couple months, uh, having lost Chris Sale and Adam Eaton. Um, you know, obviously those two players are uh, they were they were keystones with the White Sox and Chris Sale, the ace of the staff. Adam Eaton, the leadoff hitter, always getting things going. Uh, do you think the loss of those two players are going to have a, a big impact or do you think the White Sox are going to start out slow and, uh, and move on? Well, I don't know how big of an impact it's going to have. Um, I don't see the White Sox being a 60-win range team. I, I, I still think they're going to finish somewhere in the 70-win range, which is where they've finished the last few years with those guys. Um, you know, something came out last, last week about Adam Eaton not being as clubhouse friendly as we thought he was, that him and Todd Frazier last year had a little rift, and, you know, Todd Frazier is actually a leader and a veteran in the clubhouse, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and Chris Sale wasn't, wasn't a fan of management, he was outspoken, I think that's just two distractions gone, two very talented distractions, don't get me wrong, but I, I think that the White Sox are still going to be somewhere around where they were last year when it's all said and done. I agree. Tim? I, yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, I agree with Patrick. Um, there were obviously certain things that those players did that had a negative effect on the clubhouse. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think the team's uh, going to accept, uh, you know, accept how they're starting off. I don't think anyone's going to be incredibly frustrated if they're, you know, under 500. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's just going to be a slow I think you know, guys slow are going to play the whole year. With, I think guys are going to play with a little more passion this year. A lot of these guys on this roster, um, if they're not playing to keep their job in town or they're not, or they're going to be here beyond this year or beyond July, these younger guys, uh, Tilson and Anderson, uh, these guys are going to be playing for their job in the future. They're well aware of the rebuild going on. They're well aware of the uh, level of talent that's being stockpiled. They still want to fit into this puzzle somewhere moving forward. So I think that they're going to go out there and they're going to give it all they got. I think we're going to see some good baseball from some young guys that we didn't expect it from this season and even into next season when some of these guys start to uh, creep up maybe at the end of September or definitely at the beginning of next year. So it should be fun to watch. Even if we're not winning a lot, it should still be fun, competitive, a good product. Believe me, I'd love to see the White Sox win as much as the next guy, but I also wouldn't mind if they have like a 100-loss season and go for the top pick. Like, I, you know, go big or go home, right? Uh, we'll get into some more uh, some more Sox analysis a little bit later on when we debut a new, uh, new mini-segment here on the Dan Ryan Show. Uh, but just want to... Quick hop on to some Bulls discussion, uh, starting out obviously with what transpired with Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler over the last couple days. Um, 
both players kind of went on record uh, slamming their teammates. Uh, Wade saying that all the players don't care enough and the players need to care more. Uh, Butler even saying that the team doesn't play hard all the time and they need to play every possession like it's their last. Um, so it's difficult when players of that stature are so outspoken against their teammates. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler are arguably superstars in the NBA. Uh, Wade was at one point and Butler uh, probably currently is to my uh, the extent of my basketball knowledge. But do you guys have any, like, do you agree or disagree with what these players said uh, towards their teammates or do are there any other thoughts or comments you guys want to share regarding Wade and Butler? Here's what I think. Um, I totally agree with Wade and Butler being frustrated if they're seeing their teammates uh, not going out there and working as hard as they could. Um, but I don't think going out there in a post-game interview and saying that stuff to the media is the right way to address that. Um, what happens, as you see, is it's a chain reaction. You see Rondo posting something, and then everyone's freaking out on social media, and you get this huge circus and these huge distraction because all of a sudden no one's caring about the actual play of the team. Um, it's just, you know, who's against who and, um, you know, which players are, uh, you know, not liked uh, by everyone else. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't think Butler or Wade should have gone to the media with that. It needs to be something in the players-only meeting um, or the front office if they need to get a, if someone's really not, uh, you know, putting out their best effort. Um, but I would say um, I would say Rondo was the person who's who did the worst here because um, to talk about uh, being on another team and how those teammates were. Uh, were much better and specifically calling out, you know, veterans, obviously Butler and Wade, um, you know, calling someone out like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, you need unity as a team and you can't do that when all these media guys are following you and telling you about how much you guys hate each other. Um, so, so yeah, I think something major needs to be done by the front office. Um, you can't you can't go on with a team that is as dysfunctional as this and um, just has no you know good relationships with each other. Um, some sort of trade, or we've been asking for it for a long time. So pretty much any trade of Wade or Rondo, I would agree with one for the return and two for the fact that they can't get along. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Tim. That. Um Butler and Wade should have handled this differently behind closed doors, preferably. But they're not wrong in anything they said. No, this team not. shows no enthusiasm. There's no consistency. Um, they're floundering near the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff race. And, you know, Jimmy and, and Dwayne say something about them, which, again, they should have done behind closed doors. But it's, these guys react by slinging crap back at him on social media. Jerry and Grant, the guy who averages five points through his career, wants to jump on Twitter right away and talk about how much he cares about winning and how he plays the game to win. Well, show us, okay? Show us. You're you're the depth point guard who spent, you know, multiple games at the D-League level this season. Do you, How much do you love to win, Jerry? And, um, you know, Ray John Rondo, who's was been benched for almost a, a quarter of the season at this point. Uh, you know, he's lost his role. He plays a secondary role. He's averaging six points a game. Um, 
and he's traditionally known as a bad clubhouse guy, bad teammate, guy who's been run out of everywhere he's been to, quicker and quicker each time. You know, and of course he wants to jump on, jump on Instagram and and sling crap back. That's that's you know, at least Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade, when they overstepped the boundary there with taking uh, Aaron out their dirty laundry. You know, Butler averages twenty five points a game. He carries the team on his back. He's pissed off. He should be. They suck. They're dysfunctional. You know, I can relate to Jimmy. I can understand what Jimmy's where his frustration's coming from. I don't. I don't understand where Rondo's frustration is coming from. Uh, he's part of the problem, not the solution. So, you know, this something's got to. This is they've ultimately hit the self-destruct button at this point. They're just slowly melting down internally, and now we're just not going to hear about it until the next blow up, until the next episode. Uh, Hoiberg, he's got no control over the locker room. Neither do Foreman and Paxson, for that matter. And. Uh, well, the trade deadline's fast approaching, and it's going to be interesting to see who's still here because something's got to be done. This team is, at this point, they've stabbed each other in the back. They've slandered each other in the media and on social media. Their relationship will never be the same. It's not repairable. They didn't have that good of a relationship to begin with, so something's got to change from here. Some more quotes from Dwayne Wade. He says, we can play bad, we can miss shots, but we're having too many of these lapses. This just can't be acceptable if you want to do something besides have an NBA jersey on and make some money. And that's all we're doing around here. Uh, do you think a distraction like this, uh, everything that's transpired between Wade, Butler, and Rondo, do you think that does anything for their playoff hopes? Are you guys panicking at all? Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they definitely not going to make the playoffs? Is there still a shot? Tim, you're the Bulls guy. What do you think about their playoff hopes? Um, I think they're going to, uh, you know, choppily, slowly, awfully, uh, somehow find a way to get into the eighth eighth seed. The e- the East isn't uh, isn't too strong a conference. Obviously, the West has, um, you know. Uh, much higher level teams, uh, you know, got the Warriors, Spurs, um, Clippers. Um, so I, I do think the Bulls are just good enough to get into the eighth seed, especially with someone like Jimmy Butler. But there's absolutely no way they can win a playoff series against uh, against you know the Cavaliers or the Celtics or the Hawks. Um, it's just they don't have they don't have enough people that are doing their job, they're doing the role correctly. They have Butler, maybe Wade as a leader, um, but other than that, I mean, Taj Gibson is an okay big guy, but, uh, you know, from there, you don't really have anyone who plays their position perfectly and fits in with the whole scheme of the team, and um, so, yeah, I don't think the distraction is going to affect their play too much. I don't think this episode will really drastically hurt or help their playoff chances unless of course it causes a you know a a trade or you know a bunch of trades but with the current team um with butler i think i think they can get into the a spot but you know we'll see how it plays out yeah like you said tim the east is bad so an eighth seed or even a seventh seed wouldn't surprise me we see teams in the Eastern Conference make the playoffs every year with records under 500. Um, you know, the Eastern Conference is pretty much 
a joke. It's watered down. The top four teams every year, the only teams out of that conference that realistically have a shot at making the playoffs or, you know, whatever team has LeBron James six consecutive years. But that's not a, so much in a tribute to how good LeBron James is. It's just shows you how bad the rest of the Eastern Conference is. So if they made the playoffs in the seventh or eighth seed with the current team that they have intact, wouldn't surprise me at all. But they're getting swept or they're going to get handled pretty easily by either the Cavaliers or the Celtics that they play in the first round. So at that Tim, point... You mentioned... Uh, sorry, Patrick, you want to... Well, no, it's like you said with the White Sox. You know, go big or go home. At that point, you know, I'm not really interested in watching them get... You know, pummeled by the Cavaliers in the first round of the playoffs. I'd rather them blow it up at that point. If that's the best case scenario this year, squeaking into the playoffs with a sub 500 record and then getting obliterated, let's just blow it up. Let's start right now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> so, if they do go the route of blowing it up, what uh, what players would you like to see dealt? Are there any uh, potential trade partners out there that you would like to see uh, send some players back to the Bulls? Are there any draft picks you'd like them to go after? Uh, what would you like to see the Bulls do in response to something like this to prepare for future seasons? Anybody not wearing the jersey number 21 is free to go in my mind. So, I mean, he's the cornerstone of the franchise and quite literally you know, the only real thing that they've got going right now in terms of future success. So, Everybody, everybody can go build around him, start fresh. Taj is 30 years old now. He's entering free agency. Trade him before he walks away for nothing in free agency. Uh, Wade's probably not going to pick up his option for next year. Move him to Rondo. Move him. I mean, there's not much around Butler. So here's here's what I think. I do think their only chance of going the other direction is signing DeMarcus Cousins. He's the only player who has who's at a high enough caliber to actually turn them into a legitimate contender. There's no other person that has been even thought of to be a trade asset from other teams um, that's as good as him. Um, so it's either DeMarcus Cousins or, um, or yeah, you blow it up. Um, you can get a couple of top picks. Uh, a couple of first-round picks for guys like Wade, guys like Rondo. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know necessarily who that could be. It could be a team like the Wolves, who aren't too amazing right now. Uh, it could be a team like the Wolves, who aren't too amazing right now, um, but they have a lot of young players and they're, uh, they're looking for the future, so they could use a guy, a veteran, that could help them out for the next two years, and they'll have maybe like a top 15 pick this year. So that was, uh, I mean, some expert analysis from you guys, I think. I've, uh, we joke all the time in our little group me chat that I know absolutely nothing about basketball, so I'm doing my best here to keep that conversation moving. Um, but yeah, I mean... You know they're they're nothing like the Bulls of the past. It's it's interesting to see all this stuff going on between the players. No matter what sport, uh, you never want to see your guys slamming each other, uh, whether it be on social media or in post game conferences uh, and anything like that. It's just it's terrible to see um, from a teammate perspective and from a, a a consumer perspective. It's just it it messes everything up and it's it's just a mess. So. 
We'll see what happens with the Bulls. Uh, we're going to transition over into a new uh, new kind of mini segment that we're going to debut today called Buy or Sell. We're going to run through uh, rapid fire five quick topics regarding uh, regarding several teams in Chicago sports. We're going to start with the Bulls. I know you guys already touched on this a little bit. Uh, real quick, buy or sell, yes or no, will the Bulls make the playoffs? Patrick, you start. Uh, yeah. They'll squeak into the playoffs. Uh, Jimmy Butler's good enough to carry them to at least a 500 or somewhere around above, give or take, 500 record. So they'll make the playoffs. They just won't make it out of the first round. All right, Tim? Uh, yeah, I'll buy that one too. But just like we said earlier, uh, they are not good enough to make it past the first round at their current state. All right, sticking with the Bulls, do you think Hoiberg returns as the Bulls coach next season? Tim, you start that one. Um, I think I think he will. Uh, it's been a feature of Jerry Reinsdorf's teams that he's loyal to the guys who run them. Um, and, you know, people like Kenny Williams, uh, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, these are all people that, especially with the recent episode, uh, have been, many fans have been calling for uh, their firing. Um, but I don't think Jerry has it in him. Um, as we saw earlier this year, it seemed like the White Sox uh, were willing to keep Robin Ventura even after the futile years, and it was Ventura's own decision not to return. Um, so I think in a similar rebuild-type situation, uh, yeah, in a similar rebuild-type situation, uh, they'll they'll stay with a guy like Hoiberg because that's who Jerry is. Um, so, so, yeah. Patrick? I'm going to optimistically sell that. Um, Robin, first of all, that was not his own decision to leave. That was the opportunity they gave him to save face on his way out. Uh, I think (laughs) Uncle Jerry might be able to surprise us once in a while and make the right decision, or at least the right decision for his money. And, uh, yeah, Hoiberg's just not... He's not good at all. He doesn't manage the locker room well. He doesn't garner respect from his players. He doesn't know how to build a rotation. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic or hopeful should, would probably be a better term that uh, he won't be back next season. Every year, Sporting News releases their uh, annual baseball yearbook. Uh, They just published their 2017 edition over the last week. And right on the cover, they have World Series prediction Cubs over Red Sox. So my question to you guys is, will the Chicago Cubs repeat as the world champions of baseball in 2017? Patrick. Yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, they're... They're still the best team in baseball. Nobody's done anything this offseason to surpass them, and they've got the best team all the way around, the most depth up and down their rotation. I mean, the only thing we can nitpick them about or, or, or to say that they should do better is their fifth starter. So I think they're going to win again this year. Tim? Um, I... I do not think they will repeat. Um, I could totally see it. I give them like a 45% chance of repeating, so it's pretty close. Um, but what you see here is the 
you know, two of the top teams in the AL got significantly better over uh, over the off season. Um, the Red Sox signing Chris Sale is huge for them. Uh, a rotation of Chris Sale, David Price, and um, Rick Porcello rivals Lester Hendricks and Arietta. Um, especially because it's going to be awfully hard for people like Hendricks to repeat what they did last year. I don't think he'll be as good as he was, um, especially with some of the Saber metrics saying that he kind of performed to, uh, you know, uh, performances that were better than his actual uh, skill level. Um, so I, I do. And then the Indians signed uh, Encarnacion. He'll be a huge boost for them. Um, and I think yeah, one I thing... That. <laughs> One thing that people that people are forgetting is the Indians are getting Michael Brantley back this year. Two years ago, oh, when they weren't that good, that <laughs> two years ago when they were not that good, he was pretty much their best player. I'm pretty sure he hit above 300, and then he was out all last year. So people are totally sleeping on the Indians too. You know, they they took the Cubs to Game Seven and nearly won it, and um, uh, I could see either of those two teams beating them. Um, head to head, I can't say who I would give the advantage to, but just, you know, percentage wise, the fact that there's two good teams and not one, I would say the AL has just a slightly better chance than the Cubs, uh, because now both those teams have the pitching and the heading to rival the Cubs. I would say that the Cubs didn't necessarily uh, improve or get any worse over the offseason. The exactly. They lost, exactly. they lost to Raldis Chapman, but they got Wade Davis. Um, they lost uh, Dexter Fowler, but uh, the outfield was the deepest on the depth chart for the Cubs. So they just slot in X uh, prospect and they'll be just fine. I know uh, Fowler did have that, that aspect of, you know, you go, we go. Uh, if, if Fowler didn't lead off a game with a hit, it made things a little bit difficult for them. So we'll see how they adjust to not having him at the top of the lineup. Uh, next one, White Sox win 75 games in 2017. What do you guys think about that one? Tim, you I'll buy that one. Oh, oh Patrick, chime in. Sorry about that. Yes, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I could buy that one. Why would you uh, buy that one? I alluded to it in the beginning of the show when we were talking White Sox that I think that uh, the clubhouse is going to be much better this year and the atmosphere is going to be much better this year and in turn the play is going to be more competitive. It's going to be a little different than the play we've seen in years past. I don't think they'll finish near the top of the division, but I can see 75 games for sure. There's going to be a lot of hungry young players out there looking to prove themselves, and a hungry first-year manager with the White Sox looking to prove himself as well with his new way of doing things. Yeah, that Sporting News yearbook that I just referenced has the White Sox finishing fifth in the division. So, Tim, what do you think? Sox, 75-game winners, buy or sell? Uh, I'm going to have to sell that one fairly. I think they're more like a 72-73 win team. Um, I do agree the clubhouse and the whole attitude of the team will be better with the younger players trying to prove themselves. Um, but I just you, I just don't think you can replace the talent lost with Sale and Eaton this year. Um, I mean, those are guys with uh, wins above replacement uh, at six or better, uh, somewhere around five, I think, for sale. Um, so uh, I think in a couple years when we see guys like Michael Kopech uh, and Louis Basabi and other guys coming up, 
then we'll start to see, you know, like 2018, the Sox will probably be around 500. Um, and then 2019 might be the year to go to the playoffs. Um, but I don't think we're getting that many talented prospects up this year. They still have some time to develop. Um, so I think the talent gap will keep them, you know, make them lose about six more games than they did last year. Uh, so that'll be around 72. So, yeah. Cool. And then wrapping up our buy or sell segment with uh, the only Bears topic on the schedule for the day. Uh, number five here, Bears, will they draft a quarterback with their third overall pick in the NFL draft? Tim, you're wearing a Bears, what is that, a fleece pullover, zip-up, quarter quarter zip? It's a <laughs> zippy sweatshirt pullover. Tim with the Bears zippy sweatshirt. What do you what do you think? Are they going for the quarterback I, with the third pick? I will buy that. I will buy that all day. I will go to the market and spend millions of dollars on that. Uh, <laughs> the Bears need to draft a quarterback. Um, I mean, you look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl that have been, uh, especially for you know the AFC. These teams always have a top flight. A high caliber quarterback for the AFC the past like 12 years it's been uh, except for one year because of Joe Flacco definitely not elite by the way um, it's been Tom Brady Ben Roethlisberger or um, Peyton Manning and then for the NFC uh, obviously this year you have Matt Ryan who's played excellently um, you know Russell Wilson is a pretty good quarterback um, you know you had Drew Brees you had um, Eli Manning in the playoffs is a really good quarterback. Probably not, uh, probably not any other time. Um, so yeah, I just think it's too, you know, with all the passing that goes on in the NFL these days, it's just way too major of a position to uh, um, to not to not go after a top flight guy. Um, Jay Cutler just isn't there. He's not cutting it. And frankly, I don't think he has the right attitude. He doesn't seem to be passionate enough. Uh, so, so yeah, especially with guys like Kaiser and Watson, who aren't perfect, but definitely have a tremendous amount of potential um, and have, you know, showed up in big games um, and, uh, you know, just have great mechanics and stuff like that. I think... I think you have to target one of those guys, you know? you got to give it a shot because, you know, a great quarterback does way more for your team than a great linebacker, you know? It's just too much of a difference. So Jay Cutler, I mean, his career with the Bears is probably done. Do you think Jay Cutler's done in the NFL? Or do you think he's got a, a chance with another team? Obviously, uh, if the Bears do go after a quarterback, their intentions will be that he will be the starting quarterback of the future what do you think happens to Jay Cutler? Patrick?
So that was our uh, our debut buy or sell segment. Not too bad, I think. That was that was some fun, some good analysis from you guys there uh, regarding the Bulls and the Chicago baseball teams and uh, and the Bears. So can't forget them. I'm uh, gonna wrap things up here with some uh, some quick hit Hawks notes. Uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Duncan Keith were recently named among the NHL's greatest. Sorry, 100 greatest players of all time. They joined uh, six other Blackhawks on that list. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Do you think, uh, I mean, obviously that's pretty high praise to be among the 100 greatest players in hockey history. Uh, are they deserving of that praise? Absolutely. Um, they're the cornerstones of one of the better sports dynasties in, in the modern era with the salary cap and and uh, the parity throughout the professional sports leagues and nowadays these guys uh, have spent their entire career with the team and they've collected three Stanley Cups I mean between the three of them they've got almost 2,000 points accumulated in their careers uh, almost 700 goals over a thousand assists each of them have a Conn Smythe trophy to their name uh, Patrick Kane was the best player in the NHL last year, hands down. He was the leading scorer. He took home all the postseason hardware in the MVP category. Uh, he's a former Rookie of the Year. I mean, the Blackhawks have six Stanley Cup championships. They've won three of them. They've doubled one of the original six teams in the NHL's total cup counts since coming to the team. So, yeah, definitely one of the better trios in the history of hockey. So, well-deserved. Um, yeah, obviously that's, you know, that's an incredible honor. I do think Kane and Taze deserve it. Um, I'm iffy on Keith. Um, I, I mean, obviously I can't go and write down 99 better players, but, um, Perhaps it could be the fact that the Hawks have just had so many other good players uh, that Keith doesn't seem uh, as amazing because, you know, he's compared to them and those guys are taking the spotlight away. Um, but, uh, so yeah, Keith's iffy. He's obviously a great defender. Um, so, you know, but yeah, the Hawks, uh, nine total guys out of 100, um, that's, you know, way larger percentage than most teams, uh, 10% when you have, you know, 30 teams in the league, uh, 32 teams. So, yeah. Then, uh, real quick, last topic of the podcast before we wrap things up for this, uh, the second episode of the Dan Ryan Show. Can you guys believe that? This is the second episode already. It seems like just a week ago we were doing the first episode. Uh, <laughs> Corey Crawford was, uh, was recently benched. Uh, due to some poor performance, do you guys have any concerns regarding Crawford's performance moving forward, and uh, how that impacts their playoff chances? What do you What do you think of what's going on with Corey Crawford between the net? Did you see him today? He was awful in the All Star game. He allowed five goals, pretty much ending the Central Division's chance at leaving the first round. That was that was horrible. To watch. I was very angry this afternoon. Um, as far as Blackhawks hockey is concerned, I said it last week. Scott Darling has equaled the production that Corey Crawford has amassed this season in a s- slightly smaller 
uh, scale. I mean, Corey Crawford is 30 or 31 now, I believe, uh, and approaching another birthday in this offseason. And he's got a $6 million cap hit, which is hefty in the NHL. For the next three years, um, I've said it before, I think that Corey Crawford should be on his way out here. I mean, it's an unpopular opinion at this point, but I think we're going to continue to see uh, his play decline and Scott Darling's increase. And it, it just, how many times do you have the heir apparent, you know, the replacement, sitting right on your bench? I mean, if the Hawks allow Darling to walk this offseason in favor of keeping Crawford and his hefty price tag, they're going to regret it moving forward. It's not an easy thing to do to bring a goaltender up and have him sit there and learn and just be ready to step in and take the job over, you know, at a price $5 million cheaper next season. So I don't know how concerned I am about his how he'll affect their playoff chances of their play this year. I mean, he's still a great goalie. But you can see the regression at this point. Do you foresee a uh, a trade of Corey Crawford coming up in the offseason? It, it's it's possible. Uh, I wouldn't put anything past Dan Bowman. He's done a phenomenal job since he's been there. He seems to always be able to make the tough decisions uh, and leave his feelings out of it for the players that have become so beloved in the city. But uh, he makes the right decision in the end, and that's why they've had this sustained success for so many years so I could see him getting moved this offseason I think them signing Artemi Panarin to that bridge deal last month at exactly six million dollars was a precursor to them moving the six million dollar price tag that Crawford comes with for the next three years they also alluded to the fact that the bridge deal was made with the intent that after the two years was up he was going to get a bigger, longer deal from the Blackhawks because, quote, the books would be different. Money would be different then. So only time will tell, but I think Bowman's got it under control, and I think that uh, they'll make the right move here for the future, not what us fans would like to see. Awesome. Well, thank you guys uh, for joining me on this uh, the second episode of the Damn Ryan Show. Uh, thank you, Matt Smith, for uh, for joking around with us about joining and then not joining. So consider this your, your call out. You've been called out, Matt Smith. We want That's you right. next week. Um, you guys have any uh, any closing thoughts uh, before we call this an episode? Well, I would like to say that. Patrick's background is lovely. It looks like he's on top of a downtown skyscraper uh, looking yeah, down what, on the city. What is going on so. behind you? <coughs> that is a For those that, large. I mean, obviously the, the listeners can't see this, and if you missed last week's episode, we're all currently in a Skype video chat, so we can see each other. Tim's hanging out in his bedroom. He's got some nice white craftsman-style doors. Not my okay. Tim's hanging out nah. in his neighbor's bedroom. I don't know where you are. <laughs> He's got some uh, some beautiful doors behind him. I'm in my room. I'm surrounded by music equipment and books and who knows what. But Patrick has some, like, cityscape. Like, what is that? 
this is a very large and obnoxious um, aerial view of, I want to say it's New York City, uh, because my wife's lame, and that's pretty much it. I hate it, and <laughs> I try to get rid of it at every turn, but she just will not let me. Is but, it uh, a framed photograph, or is it wallpaper, or what is it? It is like, uh, it's not, it's neither. It's like a canvas that's got uh, like a frame built within it. And it's, it goes from probably the top of my, my couch to about six inches off of my ceiling, and it's, it's, it's just as wide. It's, it's really something else. Is it from She's, Ikea? I think I've seen that at Ikea. It could be. It could be. My my wife's a big fan of the, the Swedish construction. Uh, my kids bunk that <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, I mean, she's going to listen to this, and uh, I'll hear about it. But, yeah, that's what I got going on behind me. <laughs> well, it's gorgeous, Patrick. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. She'll appreciate right. that. Well, for Tim and Patrick and the invisible and mute Matt Smith... My name is Anders Johansson. This has been the Damn Ryan Show, Chicago sports talk without the traffic jams. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. It's the final week of the President's Day Mattress Sale at Ashley Home Store. Save big on an Ashley Sleep Mattress with a power base starting at just $9.99 exclusively at Ashley Home Store. Or save up to $1,000 on select queen mattresses from Sealy Posturepedic and Beautyrest. Or for a limited time, get eight years no interest on mattresses from Tempur-Pedic and Serta Eye Comfort. Hurry, don't miss the final week of the President's Day Mattress Sale. Only at America's number one furniture and mattress store. Ashley Home Store. This is home.